Well, I think we're going to start in First Peter today. In First Peter. You know, it's, it's a transition of our life when we start serving God. I don't know what age you started serving God. Uh, we all have our own testimony, our own history of how we found God, how we started serving God. Many of us started in one flow of understanding and slowly the Holy Spirit was able to bring us to learn more and more about who we are. And we weren't stuck in that tradition that we started in. I love Pastor Dave always says, you know, thank God for the Baptists, because where would us Pentecostal get our people from? You know, you know, the Baptists got you saved, but it was praying in tongues that got you educated. But there's a lot of people that stay in one vein their whole life, one tradition, and they never grow more in God or more in their calling. They stay stuck in that place. And thank God that you're not stuck in that place. The glory for that has to go to the Holy Spirit and not to you. You know, because you're not that smart. That's what I, my wife keeps telling me <laughs> about myself is, you know, we're not that smart to be able to figure things out. Pastor Dave said one time there was a guy, he had prayed in the Holy Ghost and listened to the message for years and finally, he got to the place to where he was able to change something. And from his heart, change it. <laughs> and he said, you know, I did all that praying and it didn't work. I just had to make a choice. That was it. And Pastor Dave told me, he said, it's so funny that the Holy Ghost works them with them for years to get them to the place where they know they can make a choice that they could have made years ago, but they didn't want to. And the Holy Ghost worked with them all that time to get them to that place. And now they don't give the Holy Ghost any credit. <laughs> like, oh, you don't need to pray. That's just a waste of time. Just choose it. You know, the Holy Ghost, he wants to be your partner to walk with you from where you are to the place that God wants you to be. Gary talked this morning about intimacy and about real revival. You know, real revival is not just miracles. Because we've seen miracles, but it's, it's the kind of miracles that Jesus walked in, where no one who came to Jesus for a healing was refused or denied. Everyone received their miracle. And because the church has accepted a, a lower class type of relationship with God, it's allowed us to build a, a um, traditions of man in the name of God where it's acceptable where in really God's eyes, what's acceptable is the best. Always the best. And thank God for that. Because on those days that you feel bluesy and discouraged and disappointed and in yourself or in life, and you go to God, and he's always like, let's keep going. We've got good things for you. When you're ready to settle and say, this is good enough, the Holy Ghost says, no, it's not good enough until you have the best in your life until you're walking in the the fullness of God. And what that does, it keeps you moving forward, but it also allows you to trust that God never gives up on you. Even when you give up on yourself, he doesn't give up on you. Even when you try to force him to accept a lower standard, lower your expectations, God, you're not dealing with, 
You're not dealing with Pastor Dave or Gary. You're dealing with Alan. You've got to lower your expectations, God. And he says, no. He has expectations on you to fulfill your calling. God has expectations on you to fulfill your calling with his help. I guess in my heart, I'm really, he's been nitpicking on me, but doctrinally, like with a fine surgeon knife, tried to see the difference between the lifestyle of a Christian where you serve God, you're still in charge of your life, but you give your life to God, but you're in charge versus the life of a Christian where you're not in charge of your life. He's in charge. And you yield it over to the reins of your life. And so much religion has been built on that one line where on one side, and they're very similar, on one side, we're in charge of our life. In other words, when I want to believe, when I was taught to believe in faith in my early years, I was taught to pick something to believe for. Now I'm 19, 20, 21 years old. God wants you to believe in faith for things. So put out and confess and speak into existence those things which you desire. Well, my desires as a 20-year-old and a 21-year-old was not the same as my desires now. I was able to point my faith at what I wanted. Think about that. I had the right to point my faith at what I thought I deserved. So what did I confess for? A new car, a big house, a big ministry, all those things. I focused my faith on those things and spent my time confessing and believing. And do you know that in life, just in general, if you focus your heart and your mind on anything, you will navigate to that. And so when I began to acquire certain things, I gave God the glory for it. But you can get into a walk with God to where his role is to help you to have what you want. His role is to help you to believe in things that you think you want. How many have followed God, prayed in the Holy Ghost for a while, and discovered when he takes a turn to the right, when you think he should turn to the left? I'm sure everyone's hands going up. Interesting. Well, same experience. Huh? God, why are you going to the right? I had compiled all my prophecies, all the, my desires. God told me this. God told me that. That's where I'm going. And where you're leading me is the opposite direction. I remember when I was, oh, just starting out, I started praying in tongues, Pastor Dave. So it must have been in 1992. Pastor Dave taught about praying in tongues. I got excited. And I, I would go to the church early in the morning. And I would pray in the sanctuary. And I was walking back and forth on the stage, uh, thinking I was praying in my ministry. And all of a sudden, as I, I turned, the floor turned into the map of Canada. I could see it. It was pink and it had all the different provinces. And I was walking back and I turned and I was just going back and forth as I was praying in tongues. 
across the map of Canada, from the east to the west and back and forth. And then I turned again, and all of a sudden I could see a neighbor. I was in a neighborhood, in the back alley of a neighborhood. Now, in nicer cities or nicer places, you have a house in a front driveway in the front yard, but in the, after the backyard, you have a back alley between the houses. And that's not in every neighborhood, but that was traditional in Canada. And so I was, every time I turned, and I don't know why, but I was in a different neighborhood, in the back alley of a different neighborhood, every time I turned. Every time I turned, I was in a different neighborhood. And I I knew then a glimpse of where God is going to take me in uh, my future. Now, you would think that having that knowledge of where I'm going, where God wants to take me, that it would be my job now to make that happen. And through the years, I had to resist and not take opportunities to go to Canada and to start my ministry. One opportunity was to, for free, be on television across Canada, which would have fulfilled that vision of different neighborhoods uh, all across Canada. And I had the opportunity, opportunity offered to me to be on television across Canada every Sunday morning for free. And when I checked into my inner man into my heart, guess what? God did not allow me to take that opportunity. How many have had that problem where you've had the opportunity to walk into something that looked like it was exactly what God wanted for you, and he said no? You too. Well, what's going on here? Well, we have the same Holy Spirit. And what that is is a letting go of rulership of your life. Religion likes to give God what he wants so you can have what you want. Let me try that again. That was really good. Religion likes to give God what he wants so you can have what you want. And when I say you, I'm talking about your flesh, your outward man. I think many people, uh, I don't want to say myself, but I have to, will be embarrassed when we get to heaven and realize how much of what we chased after wasn't really us. It was our, our brokenness of our flesh, our outward man but we were doing it in the name of God, in the name of serving God. So when the Holy Spirit begins to take leadership in your life, and really I don't think that is as much as what we do, as much as what we don't do. I'll try that again, that was really good too. The Holy Spirit taking leadership for our life is not as much as what we do, as much as it is what we don't do. When you give up the power to make your dreams come to pass, to make your ministry come to pass, to make your calling come to pass, to make the promises of God come to pass, when you give up your power to make it come to pass, there's only one way it's going to come to pass. And that's if God does it for you. And that takes you and I to a place of forced intimacy. I'll say it that way. If you want more, you got to go to one place to go to get it. That's from your father. In the hardest times of my life, which I haven't had too many 
hard, hard times. Some of you have had many hard, difficult times. But where you're brought down to your knees, kind of hard time. Well, in my hard times that I've gone through, it's forced me to go deeper into God because I've found the limitations of myself, of my natural ability. And I've always been thankful in, a, in an odd way for my dysfunction because in my dysfunction, it's forced me to only go to God because I've known that myself I would destroy everything I have a problem now with our Christmas cards because we send out our Christmas cards for a family photo. I hope everyone got one. If you didn't, talk to Christy. She'll make sure he gets one. But I get I get reports now of, oh, you had another daughter. You know, like Christy, as we get older, I keep looking older. She keeps looking younger. Someone told me, he said, well, you're just old and busted and you got a beautiful young wife. And I said, well, that doesn't bother me. That's... That's actually a reward, an honor for me to, for you to say that. It doesn't bother me. But, you know, I'm getting older looking. She's getting younger looking. You know, it's, I don't know how I even got onto that, but. (laughs) 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 Bragging, yeah. All us, you know, rock stars, right? We have the beautiful young wives, right? (laughs) As you lose your power to make things happen, as you lose your right to make things happen. It's a negotiation between you and your outward man. It's a negotiation where you decide to let God have lordship over your life. Or you have lordship over your life and you give him things. And when you need more of something in your life. That I'm expecting God you promised me this. You promised me that. When you're searching for more in your life. Lord, I would like to have, uh, how many know it's okay to believe for a bigger house? It's okay for you to believe for that if you're called to live in a place where there are big houses. If you're called to go and be a missionary where there's only huts and you're living in the jungle, God don't want you believing for a bigger house or a nice car because there's no roads to drive that nice car there. A lot of the American gospel won't fit in a lot of different nations. Even though it entices them, it's the wrong gospel to send to a different nation. The pure gospel is only one message, and that's Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit, to let him have leadership in your life, to take you where he wants you to go. And that requires a trust, an intimacy, where you're desperate, when you're broken. I have discovered that I had to go deeper into God in my heart and in my relationship because I knew I was not going to make it out of it without his help. And in those times of being broken and desperate, you can feel like you're way behind. (laughs) You can feel like you're way I'm so, I'm so useless. I'm so lost. See, I know I'm preaching good now. Uh, I want to ask you to put your hand up. What good am I? See, what happens is your natural man, when you walk with the Holy Spirit, your natural man wants to rule you, wants to tell you who you are. And that's part of the danger of having a, a belief system that says faith in God is about making my dreams come true. 
Because maybe those dreams are not the dreams that God has for you. And so when you let go of your responsibility to make the dreams that God gave you come to pass, like I had the dream of going to Canada and having a strong ministry in Canada that will cover Canada from east to west. Canada is bigger than the United States. It's a big country. Well, I had to let go of the responsibility of getting there. Because there's only one way for that to happen. And that's if God makes it happen. So my job isn't to make my ministry, my dreams, my calling come to pass. My job is to go into God deeper so that he could come forward and make those things come to pass. The promises God's given to you is what he's telling you. If you stick with me, son, if you stick with me, daughter... This is what's going to happen. It's not a license for you to run ahead and make things happen in the name of God. Many people spend a third of their week doing good things to give to God so they can spend two-thirds of their week giving their flesh what it wants. And the flesh isn't always about, oh, smoking and drinking and fornication. The flesh is just as much about religion as it is about those things. It's really a power struggle between your outward man and your inward man. And who are you going to let lead you? The Holy Spirit or your outward man? Because your outward man will be happy to reward you with emotions of feeling successful. That's why churches sell purpose like uh, candy. They feed your outward man purpose That's what they sell. A lot of churches, I'll try to be careful here. A lot of churches sell purpose. That's what they sell is purpose. I will make you feel purposeful in this life. And they're offering you something to give your outward man to make it satisfied with coming to church. Some of the best times you'll have with God is when your outward man is the most disappointed in you. When your outward man is the least excited. I'm trying to go somewhere, but I'm not being able to go there yet. Your outward man wants to be in charge of your life. We call it the flesh, the outward man, the natural part of your soul. The inner man, the inner part of your soul, wants only what God wants. It wants holiness. The outward wants Religion, because religion allows it to live. Your flesh can thrive in religion. Your flesh will go to church and agree to lift up your hands. Yeah, we'll go to church. As long as you don't go to church that tells you to kill your flesh. And this really comes down to the heart of the battle of praying in the Holy Ghost. And why it's such a warfare for you and I to spend time praying in the Holy Ghost? And why is such a warfare for that message to keep its value in your life? Because in essence, by you committing to pray in the Holy Ghost, you're going to come to a clash between your outward man and your inward man, where one's going to say, I don't like this anymore. 
I don't want this anymore. How many have been there? And then you'll find it will line up a bunch of preachers who will show you success without praying in the Holy Ghost. But that success comes to a limit. And we've seen in, if we look in our history of churches, we've seen that the church world has been limited in the power of God, has limited God to work through us through our flesh. Because God can talk to you through your flesh. And he'll do it if you make him do it. If that's the only way you can talk to me is through my flesh, man, then he will do that if that's what you force him to do. And unfortunately, I think much of the church world, that's how they have forced God's hand to operate. In fact, I want to, you can keep your finger in First Peter. We may come back here. But I'm going to go back to the verse that I've been chewing on and, and just stuck on for a while in John chapter 14. If I've ever been convinced of the necessity of praying in tongues as a habit in our life, it's today. The only way we're going to see what God really wants to come to pass in our life is if we come to a place in the Holy Spirit with God where he can bring it forward. And I can have you go listen to Gary's message this morning if you want to learn more about that. John chapter 14. Jesus here is talking to his disciples. He's convincing them that they are not born again yet. That they're going to need to follow him into salvation. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. In verse 17. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you. Now, I stop there, because after that I have underlined, and he will be in you. So think about this. The disciples who walked with Jesus, they saw miracles, they saw the dead raised. Deaf ears open, blind eyes open, cripple walk. They saw God show up. They saw amazing things. They knew the Holy Spirit because he had walked with them. This is how the Holy Spirit had to walk with Old Testament saints. He had to walk with them. Moses talked to God. Do you ever read some of the prophecies of old and think, how could they hear God so clearly what is wrong with me? <laughs> you know, and second guessing everything. You know, is that God? Is it not God? Is it the flesh? Is it the devil? Is it my mama talking to me? Who's my mom called me one time? She said, Alan, God told me to give you a prophecy, which was, you know, unlike my mom. I was like, oh, wow. Okay, mom, I'm ready. God's told me to tell you to move back home. Say, well, Mom, when God tells me, I'll do that. (laughs) So who's speaking to me to go this? And see, when you start going down a path and start living a path with God, 
And things don't turn out the way you want them to turn out, the way you thought they would turn out. Then you can begin to question, did I get on the wrong path? Did I miss it? Where did I miss it? Why am I not walking in the promises of God yet? Why am I been standing and believing and working on this, these areas, praying in tongues, and I don't see it yet? I'm supposed to be a millionaire. I don't see it yet. I'm supposed to be a preacher. I don't see it yet. And we're supposed to be in revival. We don't see it yet. There's only one place to go. Deeper into him. More into him. Because if you go elsewhere, you create a separate path, a shortcut. But you'll find out in life as general, there's no real shortcuts in life. So here he tells the disciples that he will be, you know him for he dwells with you. But he will be in you. And this is an amazing little bit of scripture because what it tells the disciples is, There's a work of the Holy Ghost that is more beautiful, more powerful, more amazing, more incredible than everything in the Old Testament. Because every example of the Old Testament showed the Holy Spirit, including Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where the Holy Spirit walked with the disciples. And they were amazed. The devils run. We cast out devils in your name. We heal the sick in your name. They were amazed to see the Holy Ghost work with them. And the Red Sea was split in half. By this one verse it says, All of that amazing work of the Holy Spirit was not as impressive and not as powerful as what He really wants to do. And that is He wants to come in you and work in you. Now that's a a hard thing. If you want to know a hard message... If you want to know a very difficult message, a hard pill to swallow, as they say, it's the message of you're not going to do it on your own. We can rally a thousand people and raise a billion dollars and we can make it happen. And we can rally a whole bunch of people, hire the best doctors in the world, fly them in first class, pay them the best money, have the best doctors in the world, In this little box here we have of people who need miracles, children who are broken. The doctors and all the money and all of our work cannot make that miracle happen. But I know someone who can. And the problem with the Holy Spirit, let me tell you my complaints about the Holy Spirit. Is he keeps pointing me in directions I don't want to look. He keeps forcing us As you pray in tongues, this is the amazing work. He'll take you and face you at the area he wants you to conquer. Well, I don't want to conquer it yet. And 99% of this is not smoking and drinking stuff. Well, I don't want to conquer that yet. What's the use of conquering that? And you hide things and, you know, little things. When you have guests come over to your house, you learn as a husband the best way to get your wife to clean up the house quick is to tell her you invited people over who, who aren't friends and family. 
then all of a sudden things are cleaned up, but, you know, just don't open that closet. Well, we're like that. We're not personal with the Holy Spirit. We invite him in, but we hide things we don't want him to see in little areas that we don't want him to see as if he doesn't see it. And it's a negotiation of the natural man to say, I'll give you what you want, but I get to keep what I want. Let's go to another verse here. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. This is a verse where we discover, if you haven't noticed yet, the, some of the process of salvation leaves you with an outward man that is to perish and an inward man that is to be renewed day by day. Did you know that you have an inward man and an outward man? How many know that? Every, you know, every person in the world has an inward man and an outward man. Every child born is born with a spiritual body and an outward body, a natural body. The only difference is before you're saved, you have a nature of darkness, which means that you are dark all the way through because your nature is dark. That's why people who die, if they're not born again, they still live forever. Every child created lives forever. Me and Christy, we created two little creatures that never existed. We named them Harrison and Ava. And they're going to live for eternity. We did that. Now, salvation will determine where they live for eternity. But they're going to live for eternity. So every person born has an inward man and an outward man. Your problem is that when you got born again, your inward man came to life because of the new nature. But it left your outward man dark. This old body. How many know that we receive a new body in the end? A new outward body is called the eternal body, the glorified body. And for the rest of eternity, we'll live in that body where it won't get sick, it won't age, it won't fight you. It's going to be as pure and holy as your inward man is. The new nature brought to life your inward man, but left your outward man dark. You can say amen if you're still with me. So now you can see, just from this verse, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. So I have this outward body that I'm wearing, and it's trying to tell me what to do. The limitation understanding of this exposes the religion that's been taught for generation after generation on how to serve God with your flesh. We developed programs, churches, curriculum, all kinds of things, music, everything, all in an effort to appease your outward man so you'll want to come to church. Now, for the world, they only have a dark nature. They need to hear a message that you talk to their flesh. But you're not of this world, are you? You're a child of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outer man is perishing, our inner man is being renewed day by day. So you have a, 
an outward man that is more than just your fingers and your toes. Your outward man is your desires, has intense plans for you. And, then, and it's so personal, it feels like it's you. But it's not you. It's your outward body. You're responsible for it. You're responsible for what you do with it. Where do you think those thoughts come from? Those alternative plans. How many have heard alternative plans when you feel the Holy Ghost tell you to go down one path? And all of a sudden you begin to hear alternative plans on how you can accomplish that without having to pay the price for it. How many have gone down that path before? Look at all your hands. It's like you know the Holy Spirit, some of you. What's happening is the Holy Spirit fellowships with you spirit to spirit. So he begins to talk to your inner man, and they tag team, and they begin to look at your outward man. All the little hidden things of stubbornness, of pride, of holding on to power, of being right. I'm right. There's nothing worse than you have an argument with someone where they're wrong 99% of the time. But that 1%, they got you. They're right. And they use that one thing to justify everything else that they're doing. Ever argue with someone like that? It's got, you did one little thing wrong and that's it. That's it. I got you now. We used to have a, a leader that was very uh, sharp-tongued. And what they would do is you'd walk in the room and they would analyze you like, like a radar. Like, and they're looking for one little thing. And if they, had one, if they found one little thing you did wrong, you were late by one minute, you weren't dressed right, you said the word wrong, they would use that to rob you of all the 99% that you were right. And I've learned that as a preacher. Because especially in my younger years, you start preaching truth. And there were people who were, one guy, he had a Greek Bible. And I was, oh Lord, I was in my early 20s and running a Bible college. And one of the main teachers. And we'd have people come to Bible college and say, well, I've been a preacher for 15 years. Can I skip the first year? Well, the rule was you don't skip anything. God sent you here. He knew what it was like when he sent you here. So submit to it like everyone else or don't come. And so we had a lot of people who came who had different forms of education. And when I started to preach things they didn't like, they would use things to, well, he didn't say the Greek word correctly. Well, if you know me, if I think that's your problem, I'll say it as incorrectly as possible just to bother you. One guy in the back row, a first-year student, would sit back there and say, every time I'd preach, he'd say, not to me. He wouldn't dare say it to me. Not out loud, but behind the scenes. Well, he's a novice. He's a novice. He's not educated like me. When you look it up, really, that novice is someone who hasn't managed their pride. <laughs> like, no, you're the novice. Call me a novice. Your outward man will always try to jump in and steer the wheel of your life. If you're going to spend time praying in the Holy Ghost, he's going to start opening up areas of your, your life that you may want to hide and negotiate away. Well, God, don't make me do this, and I'll give you everything else. And many of us spend years going around that mountain. Pastor Dave always says, 
if you don't do what the Holy Ghost tells you to do, then every time you pray, you're going to come back to that same spot. And what will happen is you'll begin to quit praying in tongues. Because you keep trying to bypass something the Holy Ghost refuses to bypass. And some of us have been around that mountain before. And you think we'll learn after the first ten times. But you have an outward man. That is your emotions, your natural man, is full of natural emotions. But don't be confused that those natural emotions, you still have spiritual emotions from your inner man. How many know when we get to heaven, we're not going to be emotionless? Recently, we had a, a friend of ours went through a thing where they had a, a man in Brazil passed away. And so it brought up a lot of questions. And I was really quite surprised about some of the traditions in the Brazilian church culture that I was unaware of about, well, you know, when you die, you don't remember anything. And somewhere they find verses to bring all this to be. Knowing who you are when you're in heaven. The one question was, well, do you feel anything in heaven? You must not have any emotions because you're not sad. You're not going to miss your loved ones. That must be because you don't remember your loved ones. So I had to navigate through that and help them to understand, no, you're going to be celebrated in heaven. You'll be dancing in heaven. How many when you get to heaven, you'll be happy you're there. You won't be emotionless. I'm just a robot. I'm happy to be heaven. I'm happy here. I don't remember anything, but I'm glad I'm here. No, you're going to have joy and excitement, but you won't have the sadness and the grieving. Why not? Because the source of those emotions, not just bad emotions. See, we, we kind of, in religion, oh, Lord, I'm getting into the weeds here. In religion, we try to separate. We have good emotions and bad emotions. So the good emotions are God, the bad emotions are the devil. But that's not true at all. No, you have natural emotions and you have spiritual emotions. Your natural man has emotions of joy, but they're not the fullness of God. They're limited by the natural world. That's not the joy you're going to have when you get to heaven. The natural man has peace. Peace with circumstances. But that's not the peace that God has for you from your inner man. You've heard it said before like this. God told me to do something, and I didn't like it. And I had fear on the outside, but peace on the inside. Have you ever said that by yourself? Well, what do you, tell me what you're trying to tell me. What do you mean? You had peace, and then you had fear at the same time. Well, I can explain that to you in this verse. You have an outer man that is afraid of following God, is not in agreement with dying to itself, losing his power, losing control. And you have an inner man that is excited about following God, who knows God as a father. Your outward man knows religion and wants to be accepted by God. God way up in heaven and I'm just a, a little ant down here. And because it puts the outward man in control, that I can... Give God good things and he gives me good back. Or I can walk away from God. I'm still in in charge. But your inner man who was born again. Because your inner man is where the new nature is. The inner man 
was brought to life, and it knows God as its father. So when God makes you a promise, it accepts it like a child receiving its inheritance as a father. And that's why your inner man could follow God in peace, and your outward man wants a list of, of promises first. Tell me what's going to happen. What do I have to give to get this? What do I have to do to do that? And the outward man wants to negotiate your relationship with God, where it says, we'll give God this, and then we get to keep that. The problem when you walk with the Holy Spirit is he begins to open up those little closets and cupboards, and he says, I want all of it. I want you to take this area, and I want you to kill it. I want you to keep this area. I want you to overcome it. Well, I don't want to overcome that. Some of you called to be an entrepreneur. You're trying to negotiate with God. I'm picking on, trying not to pick on myself when I preach. But some of you called to be an entrepreneur. You want to negotiate with God. God, I'll give you all the money, but don't force me to deal with my greed. And the Holy Ghost says, before I give you a penny... We're going to sit down and we're going to open this door of greed and why you want to be greed, why you want to give money away. But God, I'm going to give it to you. Isn't that enough? See, that's your flesh trying to negotiate something. And the Holy Ghost will never sacrifice you and say, yeah, let's just do that. Let me use up your life so you can bring a lot of money and you'll self-destruct. He doesn't do that. When a person self-destructs, it's because they've overrode the Holy Spirit and tried to perform for God rather than allow God to lead them. That's the, the hardship of spending time with the Holy Ghost. That's the hardship of intimacy. Intimacy is not about just experiencing the love of God. Intimacy is about allowing God to go into your life and begin to tell you, I need you to kill this. I need you to face this. I need you to overcome this. I need you to overcome that. Well, that's why many people run from prayer. They try to develop a relationship with God outside of allowing the Holy Spirit to lead their life. See, when I say you need to let the Holy Spirit lead your life, what I mean is go spend time praying in tongues and watch how the Holy Spirit begins to work into the crevices of the little areas of your life and take you and force you to look at them and confront them. Where some people say, well, being led by the Holy Spirit means I can hear God speak for you. Red, you had a black coffee this morning. You put two scoops of milk and 14 scoops of sugar in there. Oh my gosh, she's a prophet. You know, see, that's what I think. Some people want to be led by the Spirit that way. Tell me where to go. Which, where do I make money? Which stock market do I put my money in to make money? That's how they want to be led. When they start praying in tongues, he says, before we go into that, let's go down into, look, look what's over here. No, 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 you don't need that. I, I'm going to give, I told you I'm going to give you all the money. No, 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 let's go down into here. It must be, it's Red's fault here today. He pulls the meanness out of me. Well, I told you last week I shared a story. I'll share it again. Maybe a little more detail today. Out of ambition, I'll, I'll call this story, out of ambition to please God, 
we allow ourselves to be deceived and destroyed. How's that for a title? I had a, a friend of mine who I knew from Bible college contact the Bible college. This is way back when. And say that they had access to make a lot of money for the kingdom. And would, would we like to join them in this endeavor? And the deal was, there was two young men. One was an heir to a very, very wealthy, wealthy, wealthy man who died. And because of the finances that was coming in, there was a wealth tax. That meant if you died, the government got half of your inheritance. And we're talking hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. So this young man decided to, rather than give it to the government, he found a way to purchase cars at a full price, great cars, and then sell them for pennies on the dollar and take a a loss. And he was going to lose it anyway. So rather than the government getting it, he wanted church folk to get it. Would I be interested in it was what I was told. And I thought, well, yeah. And to my embarrassment, out of desire, I told some friends of mine, and I told them like this, I can't tell you this is true. I can't promise you this is right. But uh, I'm going to put some money into it. And we're going to use the money for the kingdom. Basically, you can buy a really nice car for dirt cheap. And you can buy five nice cars and sell four of them and keep the other one. There was a buffer between me and the guy selling the car, about four buffers in between. And the four buffers in between were people that I knew and respected. So it turns out when I talked to the FBI, $21 million later, the largest Christian scam in the nation's history. And I was in the middle of it. Just because I passed the information on. And the people, some of the people I passed the information on ran with it to the point that they, one ended up in jail for a little bit, not for long, destroyed his church, destroyed, uh, and, and I'm, I'm fully embarrassed about it. But my part was passing the information on with the desire to do good for the kingdom of God. One group, they sold $7 million of fake cars. And they had purchased a lot. So when the cars came, they could resell them and then give the money to the kingdom. Everything in their ideal, in their natural man, the agenda was, this is great, go for it. We're going to use the money for the kingdom of God. And then I sat down with the FBI agent, told him my name. I went to them. I told him my name, and he had a whole file, and there was my little file right there with my name on it. Threw out a picture, and there's a, a chubby guy, and he said, that's, that's your guy that is the heir. And he told me the story. Here's what he said. Because the story was, the heir had a best friend who was a lawyer, and they came up with this idea, and the government's trying to shut them down. Because they don't want rich people learning that you can get around the estate tax. So we don't want to give any information to the government. And his godmother is the church lady that kind of got the churches involved in, 
and steered the deal into the church folks so the churches could be blessed. So when the FBI agent told me that, you know, that the godmother only knew these two boys for two months, and they started calling her his godmother. He's not re- she's not really the godmother. And that these two boys started this idea in a little tiny church. And he was a gambler that gambled money and needed some extra money. So they came up with this scheme to defraud a little church group. And it went so well, and it started to spread without them trying. And it spread all across the nation. Because there was a great desire inside of God's people to see God's kingdom go forward. But the deception of the flesh is that we can do this without God. We can do this without Him making us face the areas that we don't want to face. So now I got your attention. You're like, yeah. yeah. So the FBI showed me the one young man and said he lives in Las Vegas and he is a gambler. And all the money, $21 million, that came through all the church folk. And he gambled it away. And his friend... Is not a lawyer, just another young kid. And these guys are in their 20s. And for three, four years, they defrauded the whole, all across the nation. And I had friends who I introduced this deal to. Again, with the language, hey, you'll be angry at me if I come home with four new cars and didn't tell you about this. I even remember telling Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave, I don't want you mad at me. This is the deal. And I wasn't getting anything out of it. I wasn't making a cut. I just didn't want to leave my friends out. Pastor Dave, you can make some money or you can get a new car for, for pennies on the dollar. And I remember him telling me, Alan, look at my life. Do I look like someone who wants to try to make extra money? I'm happy doing what God wants me to do. Like he shut me down. He's being led by the Spirit and didn't even know it. So how did all of us preachers, all of us Christians, fall into that deception? I mean, it's embarrassment. I have good, good friends who, who are ministers, who told people in their church, and they lost thousands and thousands of dollars because it was built on my opinion, my respect for me, and mine was on other people I respected. One word. One word. Greed. Greed, for whatever reason, allowed all of us to miss hearing God. Another word, ambition. Ambition to make something happen that looked good, that seemed impossible. Ambition was another thing that was working in us that allowed us to override Because I guarantee the Holy Ghost was yelling at us every day. No! (laughs) The moment we allow the flesh to lead us, it will pretend it's spiritual. It will pretend it knows God. The place where you're going to find the Holy Spirit is not in what we do. The place we're going to find the Holy Spirit is in our prayer closet when he begins to reveal the little hidden things in our life that are controlling us and stopping us. So you may say, God, you give me a million dollars and I'll give it all to you. And, he's, and he is so much in love with you. He'll say, yeah, you might do that, but it'll also destroy you. 
For me to get you a million dollars, you have to go to a place of death, of mortification, of greed, ambition, and all those things before I can give it to you. No, 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 you don't understand, but we can do so much with a million dollars, God. But he loves you too much to let you do that. And this is where a lot of people who have the ability, you know, there are some people in the world who have the ability to make a million dollars. Listen, if you're an entrepreneur here, quit shopping around the world trying to figure out the best way to get to what God told you he wants to do. The world can't get you there. The world cannot get you to that place as much as it can get us to the place of seeing these little babies healed. This walk of the Spirit is one where the Holy Ghost shines through us, not us shining for the Holy Spirit. And that's a place of mortification and death. And most Christians, uh, let me rephrase that, many Christians don't even have the idea that that's their natural man talking to them. If they think it's them, they think it's the Holy Ghost, and it's the natural man telling them, this is a good idea. I've done too many good ideas and, and saw destruction. And I'm so embarrassed about my part in that plot to bring in harvest millions of dollars for the kingdom. And I watched many of my friends, good, good, mean, well-meaning people, I led them into deception and destroyed some lives. All with good intent. Well, as a preacher, how much more responsible am I when I speak the word of God? See, when someone prophesies, there's two types of prophecy. There's a one type of prophecy, which is, this is going to happen in your life. That's a sealed deal. So if I were to prophesy to Red and say, Red, you're going to go to Rib Crib for lunch today. And there'll be a waitress there named Cheryl, which there's always a Cheryl as a waitress. So that's a good name to pick out. Shirley, Cheryl, you know, something like that. And her daughter has just got sick, and you're going to be able to tell her that God's going to heal her. So that's a direct, concrete. So if he goes for lunch to Rip Crib and there's no Cheryl there, he can say, you missed it, Alan, false prophet. See, that's one type of prophecy. Another type of prophecy is, Red, I see you traveling around the world, ministering the gospel, and see, I'm speaking, it's like my Canadian prophecy. That's something that's going to happen to me as I follow God, not as I make it happen. See, that's a directional prophecy. Well, directional prophecy is dependent on you following God. If Red says, I want to quit following God, I'm not going to pray anymore. God already spoke it, praise God, it's done. I want to travel the world and minister. Then he'll never get there because it's, it's tied into him following God and spending time with the Holy Ghost. Say amen if you're still with me. Amen. But a specific word is one which is not conditional to red. It is what's going to happen. See, and so we're not supposed to make our prophecies come to pass. We're not supposed to make our callings come to pass. We are supposed to spend time with the Holy Ghost and allow him to focus us where he wants to focus us. Now, I still go to physical therapy. I think it's part of my faith to say we don't accept anything that says I'm limited. 
And in physical therapy, I spend an hour with physical therapist and an hour with an occupational therapist. So for two hours, twice a week, I have two people point my nose in the areas of my limitations. And I spend two hours, twice a week, doing things I don't like to do that are hard for me to do that I can't do in the natural. And I still make myself go to them. Well, that's similar to what the Holy Spirit does with you. You finally spend time with him, and right away he's like, you know that thing that you're hiding? The thing you don't want to face? Let's go face that. Oh, no, 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 no. Can't I do something else? Can I give you something else? Can I just do this without that? And he'll never let you go beyond that. That's why there's such a war against the simplicity of praying in the Holy Ghost. Let's not bring our flesh, our natural man, let's not bring our natural soul into the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let's lock that sucker out and mortify it. It's all the work of the Holy Spirit. The fact that you're here, you can thank the Holy Spirit. The fact that you ever got out of the Baptist church, you can thank the Holy Spirit. The fact that you're not okay with just traditional religion and just going to church and living life, you can thank the Holy Spirit for that. The fact that you overcame something, you can give God the glory for it. You were part of it, but he was a bigger part of it. The fact that we're going to see revival is because of the Holy Spirit. Let's not lose track of that. This is an inward work first before it's anything else. Let's keep doing that. Amen? Amen. You are important to him. If I can say anything as I close, it's this. You are important to him. That one word where he said, you know him because he dwells with you, but will be in you. The Holy Spirit was looking forward to the time that he could come work inside of Matthew and, and John and Luke, that he can work inside of them. He was looking forward to that more than what he's able to perform on the outside. And so many Christians are trying to force God to working with them as Old Testament saints from the outside in rather than letting him do the work on the inside. And that's done by us spending time praying and letting him pray through us for us. You are important to him. Your calling is important to him. But he will not ever, ever, ever allow a shortcut. No matter how much you promise him, I'll give you this and this and this. I'll give you that and that and that. And we try in our own ability to make things happen. I don't want you to be embarrassed like me and drag a bunch of people with good intentions down a wrong path. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we don't want to be misled in any direction. Our life belongs to you. And we thank you for leading our steps day by day. And wherever you lead us, that's where we want to be. If it's to the prayer closet, if it's away from making things happen, if it's away from other people, if it's away from other paths, that is your business. Our job is just to listen and to obey and allow you to do this marvelous work on the inside of us to help us to transform and to live as the children of God that you destined for us to be. So we give you our life, we yield it over to you, and we thank you for working in us and believing in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. We love you. You are released. If you like prayer, please come on up to the green line. 
Don't forget, you got a great call in your life. Go and change the world. Amen. You are released.